Hey everyone, welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk. It is Friday evening, done with the work, and a cool weekend coming up, obviously, with some of the best games of the NFL Week 8 slate. As we'll see, you know, the Steelers and Ravens go at it, the 49ers and Seahawks, Cowboys, Eagles. Vegas versus the Browns and many more matchups. Now week eight did get started with uh, Atlanta winning yesterday. Pretty impressive. They were finally able to not blow a lead and win a game. And they've obviously lost some close ones throughout their uh, season so far. But Carolina was actually three and four. I'll make a correction. I had said they were three and three in the last episode. They were three, three and four actually. And with this loss, they went to three and five. Uh, for the most part, Carolina just got beat pretty much by the, the Falcons in terms of their defensive uh, line. Uh, they were able to just kind of hang around, put up some field goals, put up some points. Bridgewater obviously was affected by that injury that he took, the hit that he took from that Falcons player, um, you know, hit to the head and all that. So they were just never right, and uh, you know they didn't make enough plays on down the stretch. A couple of bad, uh, you know, bad decisions and managed by, by Matt by Matt Rule. And Panthers are now looking like they might just fall out the NFC South race probably. But, you know, got off to a, a good start, at least for the Falcons. They showed some signs of life and progress. And Julio Jones reiterated his, his desire to be an Atlanta Falcon going forward. And we'll see if that happens past the trade deadline. So, I want to get into a couple of things that's going around um, in the sports world. I'm going to get into a little bit of NBA news. And then I will end it with talking about college football in week 8 I believe or week 9 um, as we are seeing um, a lot of things transpire um, not only in basketball but in college football as well so the Rockets have hired um, their head coach Steven Silas is their new head coach taking over now um after Mike D'Antoni. A very interesting hire by the Houston Rockets. As Steven Silas um, has been really involved in the NBA for almost 20 years. And this is his first time head coaching opportunity. And you got to give him a lot of uh, credit uh, in terms of being patient, working through the years as an assistant coach in many places. Most notably Cleveland, the Charlotte Hornets, you know, and many other teams. The Mavericks as of recent, the last couple of years with Rick Carlisle. So Silas has been around the NBA for a while, observing a lot of players throughout the years. And he's been known for someone who can really develop talent and be involved in a lot of offensive and defensive kind of breakdowns and playbooks. Um... So he has a feel for basketball. He understands how the game works. Um, and, you know, 
he's obviously played it as well, I believe, um, you know, way back in college. But Steven Silas is a right coach for the Rockets in the sense that he could be someone that could get some of the other players around Russell Westbrook and James Harden to play better. Remains to be seen because he doesn't have really much to work with. Daryl Morey is now in Philadelphia as their president of basketball operations. And Daryl Morey was someone who wanted to go get it. At the time that Golden State was rising and rising, Morey made a lot of moves in Houston to compete with them and go after them. Unfortunately, all those moves didn't work out as planned. You know, the closest they got was obviously when they had Chris Paul and they pushed the Golden State Warriors to, I think, a game five or game six. They had 3 2 lead. They let it slip away. So, more is now in Philadelphia, but in terms of the draft picks and picks that he, um, he traded away, uh, Houston doesn't really have a whole lot to rebuild with. So it's all on James Harden and Russell Westbrook and whoever they can get in free agency to make a difference in this team. Silas is an Ivy League graduate and he's a son of, um, of Paul Silas. His father was a great coach as well in the NBA as a player. Steven Silas has over 14 years of assistant coach experience and over 16 years of NBA experience. And not to mention, he's also coached at the international level in terms of clinics and camps, being involved with promoting the NBA overseas back then. So, overall, he has an impressive resume. He's worked with a lot of people throughout his time, including Don Nelson. And he did spend some time with LeBron James early in his career, a couple of years there. Silas has been described as a very likable guy and he's supposed to bring his offensive creativity and experience to the Rockets. Now the challenge that Steven Silas is going to have with this Houston Rockets team is that you have two stars in James Harden and Russell Westbrook who are now over the age of 30 and Harden was so used to being maximized and playing well averaging almost 30 points a game in Mike D'Antoni's system. So now, can you really get those guys to change their game? I think what Steve Silas is going to have to do is find a way to not, you know, to not let them, like, totally lose the style of play they have. Like, you know, not take away whatever they're doing best. One thing I can see for the Rockets is that they may be able to draw more creative designs up probably and play plays for James Harden to be off ball maybe or to have Westbrook not take three pointers that would be a huge help but Silas like I said he's been in the locker room he's been in the coaches film room throughout his years and he's observed a lot of players and a lot of tendencies and so I think with Houston the goal is just to bring all the guys around James Harden and Russell Westbrook to play well. Because Harden's not going to change his game. He's going to be an offensive scorer. He's going to be a shoot-first player. Yes, he can pass the ball, and maybe he'll do that more even with Silas as a coach. But the key is to maximize Russell Westbrook and James Harden in ways they can be efficient. They can be efficient, 
and they don't have to be so reliant on these two. We, I'm gonna say it again. Every championship team in NBA history, you need to have two to three players that can get you there, or you need to have a, a group of guys who can get it done in the time that you need to get it done. And it comes with development. It comes with experience. And so what Paul, uh, not Paul, sorry, Stephen Silas, is facing um, is being able to bring his experience his value to this team in terms of getting other guys like uh, Eric Gordon, Daniel House, um, you know, maybe Hassan Whiteside to really step it up and be more of an impact. But, you know, Whiteside is actually on the Portland Trailblazers, so that's a bad example. But, you know, whatever Houston does have, some of the guys who showed up you know, they played well in the bubble for the most part. You got to see more from them. Austin Rivers, for example, needs to take another another leap forward as a player. You know, you want to see some guys come back and be healthy, like, you know, make an impact. So Houston has a tough challenge in terms of getting talent there. So with Silas at the helm now, the focus is for Houston is to try to surround Westbrook and Harden with enough talent. In which they can obviously be the primary scorers, but not be so reliant on those two to win you games. And Silas is someone who, like I said, he's very even-tempered, has been described by a lot of people as the right kind of guy who can probably get Houston to win right now, but it's going to take a lot of tinkering with this with this group in terms of getting the players to buy in, obviously, to his system, to the way he wants to coach. And I think Westbrook and Harden needs somebody who can coach them up really, really well. And Silas, with so many years of experience as working as an advanced scout for a lot of teams, the Washington Wizards, the Charlotte Hornets, he's been known to have a good track record in, in developing talent. You know, he's coached well, um, he's, he's coached elite guards in his time at the NBA, you know, including Luka Doncic. Obviously, Doncic, look how Doncic is the past couple of years. You know, that's some of that credit, some of that transformation that we saw from, from Luka Doncic is, an, you know, effect of Rick Carlisle coaching, but also, you know, Paul, uh, Steven Silas. He's very big on player development, game preparation, and he's going to get guys to play well and be prepared for every single game. And so he's coached elite guards, like I said, Luka Doncic, Kemba Walker. Um, He was there with Steph Curry in the beginning as Curry started to rise as a player. Um, So he's coached some big-time talent, and he's been around a lot of players. So he'll definitely vibe with the players really, really well. He'll he'll have that connect with them more so than than Tony had with with the Rockets. And so... He has potential to do great and because he's learned from some of the best basketball minds in the NBA. And I think that that experience of observing and working with players throughout his, his time and generation of the NBA, I think he has what it takes to be a good coach for the Rockets. And it's going to be, be very imperative that he is able to put his style on this team early on when they do need to have those games in postseason where 
you want to see a more efficient Russell Westbrook and you want to see a James Harden who can probably still do what he does but be more uh, be more ready and more prepared to handle a lot of things um, in terms of playoff basketball because yes he made a lot of great assists against the Lakers in that playoff series there's no doubt about that and he played well for the most part but it comes down to can you stick with it can you remain um, level headed and I think that Harden at many times you know, when he wasn't getting calls, he was drawing contact, uh, which you should do as a player, but he does it way too much to, to, to a certain extent. I think he's been obviously doing well in his averages in terms of he's been scoring because the ball was in his hands. And I think next season, he's got to change that up because teams have figured out what Houston does. And what I mean by that is that you know that Hart is going to have the ball in his hands. They're going to double-team him, pass it off. Any surrounding shooters to make shots. And that's what Houston didn't have happen to them. They didn't have guys make shots enough last year or in the bubble. And so if Harden is, is going to continue to be great at what he does, he's going to have to play off ball, I think, a lot more. And Westbrook is the one who's really going to have to find a way to adapt and embrace Steven Silas's coaching style in order for Houston to possibly be better and challenge next year for the NBA championship. So I still want to talk about what the Brooklyn Nets have been doing as of late. They are adding a bunch of uh, experienced veterans and guys um, to Steve Nash's uh, coaching staff here. And so we've seen them now bring in Someone like Amari Stoudemire, um, an assistant coach from the Spurs. And as of recent, now they have brought in Mike D'Antoni um, on the staff. And looking at what the, what the Nets do have, we know that Kevin Durant is the biggest piece in the puzzle for the Nets next season. Coming back from the Achilles injury, will he be fully healthy and ready to go? And will Kyrie Irving be able to step up and play big time uh, with the Nets needing him to, to be that way? They got a really nice group of guys on that team. Some nice uh, experienced guys and some uh, young guys who are on the, on the come up like Karius Levert and Jared Allen. So it really comes down to how well does Nash be able to coach this team. He's obviously going to have a lot of help doing so because he's have on his on his coaching staff there's guys who have been coaches obviously at the NBA level they've worked with a lot of players I mean I can go through the list but every assistant pretty much on Steve Nash's coaching staff has coached in the NBA has been assistant coach um, has been involved with a lot of preparation for games so the Nets are all in in terms of winning a championship next year and I think Mike D'Antoni's hire is an interesting one because this team is obviously going to have to be able to score points and be creative. And Mike D'Antoni has a history, obviously, of having a good offense wherever he goes. And so he may be able to bring that style to the Nets. But it remains to be seen if the Nets have their surrounding talent around Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to get it done 
um, against a team like Toronto or Milwaukee. So that, and Miami, of course, remains to be seen. So, looks promising right now, but we'll find out more about the Nets when they start actually playing some games against, you know, high competition. And Kevin Durant's health and how he looks coming off injury is a huge thing to watch out in the upcoming NBA season. So now I want to talk about uh, college football week 9. As we know, um, every conference has had a set schedule of games. Now we have seen some games be postponed or rescheduled. Uh, Most notably Wisconsin's game um, got, I believe, postponed or cancelled at the moment because of their quarterback getting you know, COVID-19, tested positive COVID-19. And, you know, we're seeing the college players starting to get it a little bit more, um, which we hope that everybody is able to follow the protocols and stay healthy because that's the most important thing is that taking this seriously, taking the right precautions is important. Uh, But we have a week nine in college football in which, you know, we're going to see some teams probably come out and try to uh, obviously make a move towards the college football playoff rankings and one of the teams that really is in a tough spot I would say has a really test on their hands is Clemson and why do I say that well Trevor Lawrence um, tested positive for COVID-19 and so now he has to follow the ACC's um, protocol now isolating and you know being quarantined and Trevor Lawrence has been one of the best players uh, in college football for the past two to three seasons now and you just hope that he's able to stay healthy and, and take care of himself so that he can uh, get back on the field uh, for the Clemson Tigers but it'll be a, a test for Clemson in the next two games because you know Lawrence obviously has been there leading that offense um, you know, week in and week out. And if, if he's not able to play against Notre Dame the next week, um, you know, Clemson will be in, in some kind of, uh, I guess, battle for the playoff spots in the college football uh, system there. I think for Clemson, what they really have to do in order to get by without Lawrence is really rely on Dabble, you know, Dabble Sweeney's experience and his game style. This probably means that they're going to use Travis Etienne more. Uh, and they might be able to do just fine without Lawrence in this next game, this next game or so, depending on how it goes. Because he, he could play next week, but, you know, it's making sure that he's obviously healthy and cleared. Uh, first, and that's the most important thing about this virus and everything is that you know, players who are getting getting it, they really need to take care of themselves, follow the proper protocols, and we want to see them get back on the field and just be be healthy and fine as football players. We want to be able to, to just just to be on track so they can fulfill their dreams, they can be able to provide for their families. But what I'm saying, in, 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 you know, 
to kind of cap it off is that you know college football we're going through a time in which they're all they're obviously allowing fans to a certain degree and they might have to reconsider that they might need to put some stricter protocols in, in place because seeing these cases come up now you know it's obviously not good and what makes college football great is their players and their ability to be on the field and if they ever have to isolate and it puts them in a tough position in terms of you know just being you know just being here being at home and not being able to do much and most guys are obviously working towards scholarships and offers and stuff like that so you just hope the players who have, who have got it so far are able to get healthy and be able to get on the field so they can have a chance at getting themselves in the NFL and getting that you know getting that money which is you know just it's not all about money but having that financial security is important in a time in a world like this with the pandemic um, where you know college football is trying to make revenue now and players obviously are going to be part of that in the coming years hopefully but you just want to see them stay on track so Clemson does have a good quarterback uh, and I think his last name is DJ or something like that. Their, their backup quarterback is a mobile quarterback who can run this offense as is. They should be able to win against Boston College this week. I think their defense will probably carry them the next two games if they have to. Um, because they can do that. We've seen it um, throughout their time. And so I think you'll see... Clemson just be fine, but they may not look as convincing or as dominant in their victories without Trevor Lawrence. And we hope he gets back on the field because not only is he one of the best players in college football, but he's also competing for the Heisman Award there. And, you know, he has obviously done a lot of good things, and he's supposed to be the number one overall pick in next year's draft, possibly. So hope he can get back on the field and really help this team uh, accomplish their goals. Now, also in Week Nine college football, we're gonna see the Ohio State Buckeyes go to the Penn State Nittany Lions, and this is a huge game, I think, for the Penn State Nittany Lions. They have to find a way to upset the Buckeye. I think if they're able to do that, they will be back in position to make a case for the college football playoffs. Now, Justin Fields and Ohio State have looked obviously good. Only one game so far. They beat Nebraska. We, we saw that. But this is a true test for Ohio State and Penn State because both teams throughout their history have played well against each other. Ohio State obviously has won more, more of the games against Penn State. But Penn State in last week's loss to Indiana, they really just got out of themselves in the, in the second half. Their defense has to be better obviously and they need to be able to get more out of their quarterback I believe his name is Sean Clifford I think he really has to do a good job of not turning the ball over and making plays against Ohio State now this matchup itself the players wise Ohio State is much better because Penn State is going to be be without some of their key uh, players on, on Saturday and so if Ohio State is able to get some big plays down the field, they're going to put this game pretty easily. And I think James Franklin and this offense has to be able to keep the ball 
for a longer time possession. If they can't do that, Justin Fields is going to be able to run up and down that defense and get some big plays. They had obviously 10 penalties last week. Penn Spence, they had 10 penalties um, against, you know, they had 10 penalties for 100 yards Penn State had against Indiana. And that's not going to be good against Ohio State. They got to limit the penalties. They've got to be able to control the ball, run the ball against Ohio State. That's the Penn State's best shot they got in this game. Their defense got to make stops because if they make stops, Penn State's quarterback can possibly lead a couple of drives maybe and score against Ohio State. And I think overall, I talked about Penn State before as being a team that has been on the rise a couple of last years with a good record. I think they really have to have this game um, to make a case for what they've accomplished so far. And I go the upset. I'm gonna go against Ohio State this week. I really think that Penn State finds a way to keep Justin Fields contained long enough for their quarterback to make some plays. And a lot of people are picking Ohio State this week because of how dominant they've looked. I'm gonna go by the gut here and say that Penn State. They're down a couple of weapons. They're not favored at all. No one's taking them seriously. I think they're going to find a way to make this game against Ohio State. And I hope they find a way to win because we do want to see the Big Ten have some kind of competition, some kind of drama um, in terms of playoff positioning. And I think they'll get it done somehow against Ohio State. And even though Ohio State does lose this game, I don't think they'll be too too much affected in the playoff picture. Unless the next thing that I'll talk about jumps up. And that is Georgia. Georgia, um, obviously, last time I saw Georgia, they lost against Alabama 41-24. They're coming off a bye weekend. And so they have to be able to dominate uh, going forward and win, have steaming victories going forward. That's Georgia's best shot. If they're able to look more convincing coming out of the bye weekend in all their games they have left, they can possibly shake up the playoff pitcher. I don't think Clemson and Alabama are going to go anywhere. But Notre Dame, Notre Dame is a team that possibly, with the way it goes, Notre Dame's best shot of remaining at number three in the rankings is if they are able to win, obviously, this week, but then beat Clemson next week. If they lose to Clemson, Notre Dame is not going anywhere in the college football rankings. They're not. They're not. They're going to be pretty much out of the out of the of the top four. So it's imperative that Georgia continues to win because if Notre Dame slips up. They have a good case to be in that third or fourth spot. And so I'm looking looking forward to seeing how does Notre Dame play, how does Georgia play, and which of these teams are going to be able to you know make a push in the playoff picture. If Notre Dame does not beat Clemson, 
they are going to have no shot of making the college football playoffs. And Georgia can seize that opportunity by being much better, looking much better against their level of competition in the SEC and maybe getting the playoff spot. Now, as for some of the other teams that are trying to vie for the top positions here, uh, you know, LSU and Auburn is a good game. Both teams are kind of, you know, two and two, three and two kind of. And LSU looked much better, obviously, last week against South Carolina. You know, they still are a championship team um, in the sense that, you know, they have a good coach there at Hodgeron. That defense seems to be getting better. They really have to be able to win the games going forward. Although with two losses already, they probably won't be able to make it to the college football playoff unless they really get some help from Alabama uh, or Georgia losing. And that might not happen. So the thing for LSU is to obviously keep trying to find their next quarterback who will be the guy of the future for them. You know, they got Miles Brennan there. There's also a kid named TJ Finley there. So LSU's got a quarterback thing on their hands and one of these guys is really gonna have to, have to separate from the from the from the other um, to give LSU a chance um, against a game against Alabama probably next week. And if they can make that game at least interesting, it would be a win uh, for all parties involved, I think, in the SEC. So overall, I think we're going to see some other good games as well. Rutgers is playing, um, I think Rutgers is playing Indiana at home this week. Rutgers has a chance to make some kind of uh, noise, maybe. And, you know, there are other teams that are lurking in the top 10 that you can't uh, take your eyes off. But pretty much the teams that I really want to highlight that have a good sh- shot of shaking up the top four in the playoff rankings. Georgia has a pretty good shot of doing that. And even a team like Cincinnati, who hasn't been talked about a whole lot, they're a team to watch out for as well in the playoff picture. But it comes down to, you know, how well does Alabama play going forward? They will probably win this week. And... Alabama's only true competition in the SEC after Georgia is LSU. And so LSU has got to be able to keep on winning somehow, get back on track, because they present the the best challenge in the SEC to be Alabama. Yeah, Georgia, Cincinnati, the Big 12 teams are starting to come up as well. Uh, Should be interesting to see what happens you know, with the Big 12 and, the, of course, the Pac-12 starting up as well. But some of the teams that are, are in, the, in the, you know, top five, top ten, I can't name all of them right now because there's too many teams to name. But Notre Dame has got to be able to keep keep it going. Ohio State obviously wants to keep on winning and stay in the top four. But if Georgia... Penn State are, you know, if if those two teams start winning, um, 
if Penn State is able to pull off the upset against Ohio State and win the rest of their games on their schedule, Penn State has a good, good chance to make the postseason. And I think that if Notre Dame doesn't come through in the next couple of weeks, then the whole perspective will change. And I think Georgia, Notre Dame, um, Penn State, you know, Auburn, Cincinnati, you know, Oklahoma State should be in the mix to make some noise um, in the in the, in the college football playoffs. And so, looking forward to seeing some good action of the games this weekend, both the college football um, you know weekend and the NFL weekend. Some teams are going to obviously keep on getting better. And like I said, Clemson and Alabama are going to be on track probably to finish out undefeated. But Clemson is going to have a real real test on their hands. Um, I think if Trevor Lawrence isn't able to come back with Notre Dame game. Um, so we have to watch how Clemson does. And which other teams make a move in the rankings this week. As you know, we're getting to the point now where the college football committee is going to be you know, releasing their rankings pretty soon. Uh, which teams are going to be in position to make the postseason. And there's a lot of teams out there that can possibly make an upset. Michigan can't be forgotten about. They're another team that I forgot to mention that could possibly shake up things in the playoff picture. But they have to be able to win the games they have to win against a bigger, a bigger uh, level team. The win over Minnesota wasn't really anything. They've got to be able to win against big competition. And I think the Ohio State matchup still looms for Michigan, Wolverines, and Jim Harbaugh. So they really have to come through and be ready for that moment when they do face the Ohio State Buckeyes and Justin Fields. So I'll be back on Monday recapping all the action from the college football, the NFL, and many or many other uh, you know news from all of the sports. And hopefully I'll get into some more stories about some great athletes, some great people who are working in the sports industry um, as we head towards November.